0: There's this picture I want to give you of some friends recently that visited these caverns in Townsend, Tennessee. It's called the Tuckaleechee Caverns. It's 1.25 miles of caverns. Don't put that up yet, Don. Strike two. Jeez. I love you. It's 1.25 miles of total caverns, if you take the entire, all underground. And um, when you get to the end of the tour, there's a room called the Big Room. The Big Room, it's called. It's, it's pretty amazing, from what I understand. Um, my message today is titled Beyond the Big Room. We'll figure out why in the end. I wanna put a picture of the big room up on the screen now. What you're seeing right here could be a model of a rock formation on somebody's desk shot up close. It could be the size of this room. It could be the size of an office. Those stalagmites that are in the distance, they it's really hard to put them into scale of how big they are. If you look at this room, it's, it's really difficult for your perception to understand how big it is. If I'm standing there, would my head be hitting the rocks? It's hard to tell. Actually, when you're in the room itself, you can't even tell how big it is, even when you're there. Because there's no horizon and there's no walls and there's no ceiling and your perception, there's nothing to measure it by. So when you look in the distance, the the folks that were there, they said when they sat about where this picture is taking, the the tour guide said those stalagmites in the distance that are on the center uh, towards the top, how tall do you think they are? And they said, well, maybe three feet or five feet. And he said, actually, they're, they're closer to 25 or 30 feet tall. And really, the room you're sitting in right now, even though you can't tell, you could almost fit a football stadium in it. A football stadium. The tour guide went to the closest stalagmites on the left-hand side, and he, he went down there to give them scale. And when he got down there, he was maybe only a third of the height of it. And he said to them, he said, sitting on this bench you have no perception of how expansive and how big it is. Really, really hard to tell. He said, but when you get up close and experience it, get off the bench and get close to that stalagmite, then you can begin to realize how big and expansive this place is. When's the last time we considered and got up close stop taking a third-party opinion of how big God's love is. There was uh, two young boys that were eight years old that discovered this cave. One's name was Bill Venanda, and the other one was Harry Myers. They were eight years old, and they were out frolicking in the woods together, and they came upon this kind of place where the water just seemed to disappear through the brush, through the rocks, through through the rubble. And the water would disappear, and after a while, they begin to w- try to figure out, why is it that this never puddles here, that when it rains, when there's a storm, the water just disappears in this one spot. And so as they began to peel back the brush and rubble and rocks and whatever it may be that was blocking it, they found an opening just big enough for an eight-year-old boy to fit through. And they began exploring this cavern. And they never told a soul. It was their own secret. This is a true story. And in college, sometime in the 50s or 60s, in college, they got out of college. They realized we need to make some money. We're out of college. We got to figure out how to make money. And they thought, remember that? I wonder if that place that we could find that opening again to that cavern. I bet you we could turn that into a tourist spot. And so they did. They used dynamite and they blew a bigger hole that was more accessible to that cavern and they began to run tours and it's still open to this day and as the tours and time have continued this place has become they call it the greatest site south of the Smokies or something like that it's a it's one of the it's the largest cavern of its kind on the east coast I think think the only one that's bigger is the Carlsbad caverns out west It's the largest of its kind. And so they do these tours, and it's been passed down from generation to generation. And as the generation, I'm setting something up here for you, as the generations have continued, they discover another room, another area, another waterfall. They discovered the great room, the big room, they call it. I was thinking about this in the context of these scriptures that I'm reading here today. How big is God's love? How expansive is it? I don't have a ton of time, so you're going to have to hang with me. I'm going to go through this quickly. Um, Ephesians 3, let's go to uh, verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love, you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all of the fullness of God. Grasping his love sometimes is going to surpass your ability to understand and know. Some of us, like my mom said, some of us need to stop looking for clear-cut, beautiful, neat little packaged answers. And we need to start asking questions. We need to stop seeking sometimes a perfect little fact of knowledge and realize that God wants us to experience, it is an experiential understanding, these, uh, these principles, these, these things like his love. Get up close. My mom mentioned this uh, quote that she had gotten from, from something she was listening to, where they said, Jesus himself, he understood the power of a question, and he understood the limitations of an answer. And so rarely did he give people direct answers to their questions because instead of giving them an answer, he wanted to invite them on a journey of exploration. Um, Psalms, we're, we're skipping ahead and that's okay. Psalms one nineteen, one hundred five 105 says, the word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I want you to notice something. God's word is a lamp. It's not a map. Oh, that was so quiet of y'all. You know why? Because we've heard a lot. This is your roadmap to life. Oh, this is your roadmap to life. Well, where is that in the word of God? Never says it's a map, says it's a lamp. This is the most uncomfortable I've felt in a long time. Are you okay with me taking bad theological ideas that have been passed down from tradition and not actual word of God and breaking them up? Are you okay with that? Because if, I, if we don't do that together, if we don't go on that journey, we will stay stuck and put in this current understanding and never understand the more of the Lord. Because oftentimes what's presenting it, preventing, it, preventing us from exploring more of the cavern is us thinking that we've discovered all there is. Are you hearing me? Yeah. And so when these boys discovered this, they actually, they got soda bottles and they filled them with kerosene and they stuck rags in them. They're also known as Molotov cocktails. And the reason they needed a lamp is because they were going into the unknown. Do you realize we're living in the unknown? That what's happening today didn't happen a year ago and didn't happen 2,000 years ago and every day we're being presented with new cultural questions new things to try to ponder and fit into our understanding of faith every single day you and I are being challenged who do we love, how do we love them, how do we include them, what does it look like, is love really love is it for everybody, how big is this cavern is there more to it, do we know what we know or is there so much more, we're being presented every day with another opportunity to experience and discover that's why he gave us a lamp and not a map because if the map was finished and laminated at 100 AD which is when the Bible stopped being written and was canonized do you think that nothing has happened between now and then that God needs to speak to think about what the world looked like in 100 AD versus today the world is completely different. So he builds the rock and foundation of his truth in the Word of God. And then he says, I'm going to give you my Word, not as a roadmap, map, because you're going to encounter some places of darkness that I don't have a perfect answer for here in the Word of God. And so I'm going to give you my heart and my Word so that you can light up the path that you're on so that you don't fall into the dark places. Yeah. I know this is controversial, but I'm going to get more controversial before this is over, okay? I'm going to tell you what this looks like. If those boys would have entered that cave with a map, it was so dark. The, the folks that visited said when the lights went off in the cavern, it was so dark you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And the problem is, is there was a cliff in there with a, multi, like, 100 or 200 foot drop off. So you can go in there with a map, but if you don't have a lamp, you're in trouble. That's why God didn't write a map. He gave us a lamp because the word of God is active and alive and revealing all the time new understanding for this moment in time and history say, Pastor Dan, you sound very progressive. Well, I'm just going to get a little bit more crazy for a moment because I don't believe that progressive theology contradicts traditional theology. I think traditional understanding of God is inherently progressive, which means that, and I I don't know if my mom said this, but which means that what Paul did to Moses, we need to do to Paul. (laughs) Or we're not serving Paul well. Do you know when Paul took what Moses did and he said, I have to take what Moses said and did and bring it to this generation right now for this moment. I have to make this make sense to the church in Corinth. I have to make this make sense uh, to the Galatians. I have to make sense to the church in Ephesus. I have to make this make sense to the Gentile because when Moses wrote the law, he didn't write it with the Gentiles in mind. So now I got to understand. I got to use my lamp to light this new territory. How do I speak to the Gentiles? Surely God doesn't hate them. He saved He wants to do something and and include them and graft them into the body of Christ. But Moses didn't write anything about the Gentiles. So now I've got to speak to the Gentiles. So what do I do? I use my lamp because my lamp says this is what the Father's heart reveals in this moment in this situation. So church, we're faced with the same moment. Do, do you think Paul knew what was going to happen in year 2019? Do you yeah. think he could speak to an iPhone or a text message or, or to the social issues that we're facing today? So we, do, we, do we pull out the map and go, well, there's no spot on here called uh, Trump. <laughs> they didn't have the Democrat Party and Republic. We well, they're just... We'll just compare him to Cyrus or whoever else out there. Like, what am I gonna do now? Here's, I didn't say this in the first service, but I must say it in the section. Listen to me real quickly. The minute you and I think we've discovered all there is to the cavern of understanding of his love and what he's doing and what he's saying and the revelation of who he is, the minute we say it's all right here, you know what happens? We turn ourselves over to be controlled and ruled by somebody else. Right. Amen. This is why the minute I can convince you that you know all you need to know, and because all you need to know, I can now address and appeal to, I control you. Why do you think that the Republican and Democrat parties have divided up cultures and religions in perfect little segments? Because the minute they can put you in a box, they can now control your vote. Two people. (laughs) He sounds like he hates Republicans. Listen, I'm a registered Republican. But I don't give a rip about anyone's party line. Because it's all beneath us. Do you understand that if we put a political party... Listen to me, a political party or some sort of hardline, like, you know, please let me know what this year they decided at the Republican National Convention or the Democrat National Convention, and then I can decide what I believe. What? They change with the wind and times. They change because they can get a million dollars over here instead of ten dollars over here. They're controlled by money and power. We aren't controlled by money and power. We're listening to a voice beyond, a voice that's greater, a love that is expansive and never-ending. We're on a journey of discovering more, not being controlled. We've got to understand that the church Cannot be politicized and become part of a political agenda. We have an agenda. It's called humanity. It's called his love reaching people. It's called the body of Christ. It's called seeing people included that have been separated and kicked aside. We have to discover more of his love. And if your understanding and and time has has a way of wallowing out a capacity inside of us to understand God's love, if your idea and your understanding of God's love is not expanding, then it's shrinking. There is no staying the same. It's either expanding or shrinking. You think God wants us running around with a shrinking capacity to understand his love or an expanding capacity. And let me tell you right now, the more you expand, the more you discover, the more journey you go on, the dirtier it gets and the tighter the spaces get. Do you know that this place, I'm so out of order right now, I don't care. uh, In my sermon, I might be out of order too, but in my sermon, this place actually has a tunnel that they've now discovered and they've tried to explore where it ends up and a couple of them have gone down there, a couple of people that watch the place, take care of the place, and they believe that there's a room that's maybe three or four times bigger than the big room. But it's a tight space. You have to crawl on your hands and knees, army crawl, and get dirty. Be willing to go places no one else is willing to go be willing to say some stuff, love some people. That maybe the church is going, hmm. I just want to take this a step further, much to my demise. I don't really care. We as a church are called to love everyone. Listen to me, I'm not talking about love and, 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 and then the stick behind her back, like, come, we love you, we love you, whack! I'm talking about love, embrace humanity. Whether you are Muslim, you are gay, you are poor, you are criminal, you are up, you are down, no matter what color you are, we are called to understand that God loves you. And if you think that his love is not big enough, oh. You know, in this cavern, you can put that up there real quick. Man has lit up the parts of the cavern that they want you to pay attention to. They tell you that this is the important stuff. But how many of you know there's so much more beyond what man can highlight? And if your so only source is a podcast or my sermons or my parents' sermons, or some guy or gal on TV, or some book somebody gave you, that's your source of expanding your understanding, you're missing out because we have a way of highlighting the things that we think are important. At the end of the day, there's not a piece of the understanding and capacity of God's love that should be ignored. And there's not a tunnel or a cavern that shouldn't be discovered. There is nothing here that should be left unturned. There's no stone left unturned in our journey to light up the path and understand more of who God is and what it means for this time and this generation. That lamp, if you can picture this, it's a guide on our journey and not an X for our destination. We're not looking for, I want to get from here to there. Because when I get there, I want more. I'm not stopping at the hex. Give me a lamp. Come on, give me a lamp. And let me go. Let me go discover. Let me see how brave I can be. How much fight I have inside of me to push further into the unknown. This is a church that's called to the unknown. This is a church that's called to the difficult places. This is a church that's called to be brave and to step out and to be uncomfortable and to be messy. That's what we're called to. A couple of facts and I'm going to end. It's 1226. I want to get you out of here soon. A couple of important facts here that I want to mention to you. Is this okay? This place has a constant temperature year-round, which means no matter what's going on on the outside, it's the same temperature. It could be a heat wave, it could be a blizzard, it could be an earthquake, a tornado, whatever's going on on the outside does not affect what's happening on the inside. And it's so stable on the inside of this cavern that they, mes- they measure seismic activity from this place because it's so stable that it doesn't interfere with them recording seismic activity. So they can feel or measure an earthquake happening on the other side of the world from this spot because it's so stable. Come on, if <laughs> do I need to break this down? Are y'all with me? In a world that is as unstable and unsure and anxious and all of the above, more than ever, more chaotic than ever before. Come on, there is a place that is safe and stable and constant that we can run into. Also this, it has constant running water. There's life flowing through it. Sometimes we picture the idea of life flowing with uncontrollable, chaotic, whatever it may be. Sometimes we feel like we need to lock ourselves in a safe little closet, protected away from the elements in order for us to feel safe. But I'm telling you the safest place you can be is where the river of life is flowing. Where God's protection and covering is all around you, where you are stable, where it's constant temperature, where no matter what's happening on the outside of your world, there's a joy and a peace that is living on the inside of you that never changes. That you don't respond based on the situation, you respond based on the stability and the constant temperature and the flow of life that is breathing on the inside of you because you weren't afraid to discover a little bit more. A little bit more. You weren't afraid to say, what if? You weren't afraid to say, I know I was taught this, but what What if? What does it mean for me today? Pastor Dan sounds like you're okay with contradicting the word of God. No, the problem is, like my mom said, and we've been reinforcing the last couple of weeks, the Bible doesn't clearly say anything, really. It clearly hears Because if it clearly said, we wouldn't have 40,000 denominations. Each one of them saying, it clearly says. No, I, I always feel like i got to throw these caveats out because you all think I'm going crazy. There are, we know Jesus died for us. He rose from the dead. We know those things. Those are constants. We don't have to debate those. They don't hear or read a certain way. But do you know how much of the word of God we've said over the years, it clearly says? Do you know what it clearly said in, that Peter wrote? It clearly said, listen to me. It clearly said, slaves, obey your masters, even if they beat you without cause. And then it said, and in the same way, wives, obey your husbands. Any ladies okay with that? Serve your husbands, even if they beat you without cause? Anyone okay with slavery? you know that what what the greatest atrocity in our nation that happened when we enslaved a people because of the color of their skin do you know when that happened that the people that did it were very religious and very learned and they used scriptures like that to enslave people and there's a story of a man I'll close with this there's a story of a man who was selling off a mother and her children And the kids got sold to one plantation and the mother was left there watching her kids be dragged off into slavery. And it was a God-fearing man. Somebody respected in his community for knowing the word of God. But he thought it was a map and not a lamp. And so, in that moment, the story goes that he was selling the mother and children. The children get sold off and dragged away, and the mother collapses in tears, crying as she watches her kids be sold to slavery, knowing that she would probably never see them alive again. But because she looked weak and feeble, he picked her up. He picked the woman up so she would look strong and able, because her turn was next. And the story goes that he had a moment that changed his life forever because in that moment, through through her crying and through her intelligible, uh, you couldn't understand what she was saying. In the middle of that, she, she started, he said, he said, there's a moment where I heard her begin to call on the same name of the Lord that I worshiped. And I realized I missed it. I had used scripture as a map instead of a lamp. I thought I was just here to discover what was in front of me, what somebody told me about and acquire knowledge and not go on a journey of discovering and asking tough questions and going to the hard places. There's a moment here for you and I where we have to ask ourselves the same questions. the reason I tell this beyond the big room is because there is a room that they believe, they actually believe that in that 1.25 miles of caverns that they discovered, small rooms, medium-sized rooms, that one big room, the waterfalls, they actually believe they've only discovered 10% of that entire cavern group. And you can sit here and look at that picture and go, I can't imagine how grand and big that is. A football stadium you could fit inside of it. But church, we're not going to stop there. Because no. there's more. I know. And if there are billions of people that don't know how much God loves them, can we stop with just the big room? Can we just stop saying we've read First Corinthians 13? Can we stop saying that we know God is <laughs> love or do we need to pick up his word as a lamp and go on a journey as a church and maybe get on our hands and knees and get scraped up and go to the tough places and light up those dark places that no one else has ever been to before and discover more. Discover more. My job as your pastor and my parents as a part of the pastoral team and Jim Ruschus, our jobs is to be the tour guide. There's two types of tour guides in this world. There's the ones that just simply spit the facts, give you the head knowledge, but don't invite you into a journey. They're too timid or afraid to ask the tough questions, to make those bold, Statements and questions <coughs> to invite you into the story. They just tell you the facts. They encountered a tour guide there on their journey that was just doing that, and the people that were on the tour looked like they could not wait to get out. But the tour guide they had was full of life, it told stories, it made it real, and it invited them to the place where they started to take notes and research it. I'm not here to have all the answers. And those guys have been doing this for 40 years. They don't have all the answers either. As wise and great as they are, they don't have all the answers. We're not here to have all the answers. But we're here to ask the really tough questions and then say as a community of believers, What do we do about this? What do we do about those people? What do we do about that young man? What do we do about somebody who sees things different than me? What do we do about the hungry? What do we do about the addicted, the poor? What do we do? We use this word as a lamp. And we say, let's go to the tough places. so I'm not promising you today as I end more answers, more facts, more head knowledge. You're gonna pick some of that up along the way, but that map is meaningless if you don't have the lamp. And if you have the lamp, and you have the light and love of the Father and a desire to discover more, that will be the only map you need. Do you hear me? His word will be your guide. will light the way. I'm done. I don't know how to end other than say I'm done. I hope you got this this morning. Hold on before you take off Wednesday night. We have, we're doing a first-time thing. It's called Wednesday Whack-A-Mole. <laughs> we have three people speaking for 10 minutes each. Um, it's going to be lots of fun. They're going to come from three different... They're each going to have a main point they're going to share. So it's going to be 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes for our message on Wednesday. Come experience it. Cheer them on. They're folks from the congregation. Some of them have ministry experience. Some of them don't. But I'd love for you to be a part of that Wednesday night at 7. God bless. We'll see you soon.